Welcome to the Cap Builder Talk Radio Show with your host, small business expert, Mark Parham. Real talk with real people talking about real issues facing small business and our community today. Join us every Monday evening starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. To be a guest or for more information, go to capbuildertalk.com. Post comments on facebook.com forward slash capbuildernetwork. Enjoy the show. Good evening and welcome to another episode of Cap Builder Talk with your host and business coach, Mark Parham. Real talk with real people talking about real issues facing small business in our community today. Helping you build the capacity to change your life. And as I say every week, helping you to walk in your purpose. The Cap Builder Talk Show is focused on giving you the information you need to make changes in your life because we feel that information is key. With the right information, you can make educated decisions. Tonight's show is about the business of running a city. Right now, we're in the middle of a very large campaign for mayor of Atlanta. I have the fortune tonight to have done the interview with Caesar Mitchell. He's one of the front runners for this highly contested race. But I wanted to play this interview to give you an opportunity to once again know who this man really is. I want you to stay tuned and listen to this interview as he discusses who and why he is doing what he is doing to change the face of Atlanta. Okay. I'm also, during the Cat Builder Minute, going to be talking about why some businesses fail. Why, why do some small businesses fail? Just some simple things that I want to talk about, just kind of putting it out there for you. You can see if you can weave that into what you got going on. So stay tuned for the rest of the show. If you did listen last week, I had a show on how to start a successful nonprofit. I had Terrence Ross. He's a nonprofit expert. And Tori Hicks, she's the philanthropic strategist and the CEO of Youth So if you didn't listen to that show, I want you to go to capbuildertalk.com. Click on the link for that show. And pay attention for those of you out there that are trying to start and run a successful nonprofit. Now, as far as past events go, last week I went to the National Urban League Conference. And wow, you know, every year I go to this thing and it's just so motivating to see all these people together, all positive, all moving towards changing our world. So I'm going to be posting some pictures and some things that happened at this event. Uh, Nancy Flake Johnson got an award of of the Women of Power Award. I'm going to post those pictures. And then we had a great Small Business Matters event where I saw Becky Davis do her thing. And we'll post some pictures of that as well. So that's what I did last week. Upcoming events, Nonprofit Trinity Awards. You'll hear the commercial later on in the show coming us August 13th. You need to be there. I'm going to be a presenter at this event. But you need to be there as we honor some of the people that have unsung heroes in our community, particularly the nonprofits that are changing the face of how we live. So this is Mark Parham. I'm going to take a short break. I'm going to come back with my Cat Builder Minute about why some small businesses fail. And then we're going to get into the conversation with Cesar Mitchell, candidate for mayor of Atlanta. So stay tuned. I'll be back after this break. Cat Builder Talk. See you in a few moments. Oh my goodness, you mean to tell me you haven't heard yet? You don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, wait a minute. 
Let me break it down to make it plain. On August 13, 2017, one of the greatest events is going to take place. This is the 6th Annual Nonprofit Trinity Awards that's going to be taking place at the Porter Sanford Performing Arts Center. Now listen, men, you've got to have your swag. Women, you've got to wear your finest, your gowns, because at 5 p.m., there's going to be a photo op session. Yes, people are going to walk down the red carpet, have their photos taken. It is going to be wonderful. Mix and mingle, they'll be all yours. What is this all about? Well, let me tell you. On August 13, 2017, at the Porter Sanford Performing Arts Center, it's going to be the Nonprofit Trinity Awards, the sixth annual one, that is. For more information, you've got to go to www.nonprofittrinityawards.org. Don't miss this great event. It's going to be second unto none. you got to be there. Hope to see you. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom. I had no idea how hard it would be and what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and ways for me to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics, but also information about the hurdles I was facing. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Hey, I'm back. This is Mark Parham, Cat Biller Talk. I'm going to spend this Cat Builder Minute talking about some of the reasons why some small businesses fail. You know, a lot of times when we try to go after business and larger businesses and larger contracts, there's certain reasons that we may fail. I want to go over a couple of those. Some businesses are typically too small to win big contracts. You know, if you've been doing like $100,000 in annual revenue, you're really in no position to handle a $500,000 contract. So one of the strategies that you may suggest or be suggested to you is partnerships. Okay? So these are some of the other reasons uh, sometimes small business owners may fail. Sometimes you're your own worst enemy. Sometimes we need to stop shunning all other small businesses because of one bad experience. Sometimes people don't have good customer service. Sometimes it can be difficult to patronize some small businesses because they, you often feel like you've given up more than enough chances to do good work for you. So one of the things I want you to get out there and do is really support other small businesses. Now, as I mentioned earlier, something that's very important about growing your business is sometimes partnering to run a legitimate and professional business. Sometimes if you have a business that offers a one service, you may partner with another business to offer even greater services to your potential customers. Sometimes you may get together and work jointly in bidding on contracts so that you both stand a better opportunity to get a contract versus you just trying to do it by yourself. Because it's very important that when you work together, you can get more. So I'm going to give you five quick ways you can start a professional and successful business. One, legalize your business. Running a legitimate business is a competitive advantage. In the state of Georgia, it costs $100 to register your business. It's free to get your EIN number. But set up a legal business enterprise preferably an LLC or some type of corporation. Something else I want you to start doing is find an established business partner. 
If you're unable to obtain proper licensing, insurance, or other things like that, find a strategic partner already in the space that you're in and partner with them so you can not only learn how to do it, but you can benefit from each other's experience. The third thing I want you to start doing is networking. you got to get out there. you got to be out there networking and meeting new people and developing new strategies and new relationships. And just don't swim in the same pond you've been swimming in. Sometimes I want you to expand your region. You know, if you've been used to networking in a certain part of town, select networking in another part of town. Meet new people. Something else I want you to identify or to do is identify a mentor. Mentors can be great resources. You can have many people in your lives that can really help you. But make sure that before you find a mentor that you've done the research on who they are, how they can help you, and be prepared to discuss what your needs are. They're not going to spend every waking moment with you, but they can definitely give you advice and sometimes even make connections for you. And the last thing I think is the most important while you're listening to my show tonight is educate yourself. I want you to stay educated. I want you to take workshops, anything you see out there on branding, There are new ways to do a lot of things. If you've been in business a while, maybe you haven't really figured out how to use social media, take a workshop on it. But keep educating yourself so that you can be the best you that you can be. So this is Mark Parham, Cat Builder Minute. I'm going to take another break. and we come back, we're going to have this great interview with Brother Cesar Mitchell. I'll be back in a moment. People are always looking to invest in a good opportunity. So what if you could invest in the future of kids, like a stock? Not the kind of stock that's about making money, but a stock for social change called Better Futures. With your investment, it helps students like me go to college. My name is Charles, and I'm your dividend. Invest in Better Futures with UNCF. Visit uncf.org slash invest. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, but a wonderful thing to invest in. Brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. Imagine a world where bullying isn't considered a normal part of childhood. A world where I'm not afraid to go to school. (laughs) To speak out. To be myself. A world where I'm not afraid to be caught alone. Come on, punk. We have the power to stop the bullying. Speak out. Speak up. Educate. Find out what to look for and how you can make a difference at bullying.org. Bullying is not kids being kids. It's not about good homes or bad homes. It's not a normal part of growing up. I shouldn't be afraid to get on the school bus. To turn on my computer. Or walk to my locker. Did you know that a bully will stop his or her behavior in 10 seconds when their peers speak up? Use your voice. Hey, leave him alone. We have the power to stop bullying. Find out more at bullying.org. Bullying.org. Where you're not alone. Where you're not alone. Where you're not alone. I think managing a business can be difficult. What about managing a city, especially a city on the forefront of everything like Atlanta? We're going to find out tonight from my special guest, who I am really excited to have on the show. It's Cesar Mitchell, the president of the Atlanta City Council. But normally, I bring people on. I have them introduce themselves. But tonight, I'm going to make sure people learn more about you, man. I'm going to have to do it for you because you, sometimes you're just too modest. So I'm going to read your bio here. <laughs> Caesar Steve Mitchell serves as the president of Atlantic City Council. He presides at all council meetings and votes in the case of a tie vote 
by the 15 council members, makes council committee appointments, and would exercise all powers as mayor should that office become vacant or the mayor be disabled. Prior to being elected city council president, Mitchell served two terms as a citywide post one council member from 2001 to 2009. As a public official, Mitchell advocates for safer communities through specific initiatives, including police foot patrols. Is championed key legislation facilitating economic revitalization in the underdeveloped areas by offering measures to create four of the city's 10 tax allocation districts and supporting legislation for community input in the Beltline project. Cedar has been featured in Georgia Trend Magazine, one of Georgia's 40 under 40, and Atlanta Magazine as a rising star in its Super Lawyers edition. Recently, Cedar was named one of Atlanta's 100 most influential people. In 2003, he became the inaugural recipient of the Leadership Atlanta's Rising Star Award and is a graduate of his 2005 class. He is also alum of the Outstanding Atlanta. In recognition of his community service, he's been honored by the Morehouse College Alumni Association and the UGA Black Law Students Association. Mitchell is a native of Atlanta, the son of Atlanta police officer and Atlanta public schools teacher, and a graduate of Benjamin E. Mays High School. He's an honor graduate of Morehouse College with dual majors in economics and English. Mitchell earned his law degree from the University of Georgia of Law, where he served on the International Law Journal and won a national moot court championship in constitutional law. Caesar and his wife, Dr. Tiffany Mitchell, are the proud parents through their daughters, Cannon and Cesara, and they reside in a historic West End community and attend Impact United Methodist Church. Caesar. Welcome to the show, my man. Thanks for having me, Mark. It's really great to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent, man. You know, uh, man, I'm so excited about having you here. And, and I got to tell you, one of the reasons is I really want you to come on because, you know, in our community, we, we hear so many things, but we don't hear the good things about what young men are doing. And every time I see you walk into a room, I'm just so proud to have made your acquaintance, you know, a number of years ago to see how much you've grown. And I want people to hear your story because, you know, I'm behind you 100%. And it, But I want more people to know. That's why I've been touching the heck out of your staff, emails, calling, you know, because I, I wanted to get you on the show. But just just going to I want you to just say welcome to the people in the audience. And, you know, you can introduce yourself a little bit now. That I, first, I want to know, see your second daughter's name correctly. No, well, well, you, you, you. It was a good try, and and I certainly. It was a good try. So, it was a good try. So my oldest is yeah. named Cannon, uh, and my youngest is named Zaria. It it is spelled with Zaria. a C. Yeah, okay. so it's, it's, it's like a variation of Czar, uh, like a, like okay. a like a like a Russian Czar, which is based on the word Caesar, which is you know the Roman emperor. Okay. And that was that was that was my wife's. That was my wife's way of saying you, we're not having any more children. <laughs> hey, that's all good. Man. You got a you got a whole city to raise, so that's okay. You got a whole city. Let's let's talk, man. Uh, you know, you're a native son. You, uh, man, everything is Georgia about you. So let's talk yes, about I, that. Let's talk about you know from when she came. Well, absolutely. I was. Born, as you said, right here in this city, in a hospital called Hughes Spalding Pavilion at Grady. So, you know, I guess I'm a Grady baby through Hughes Spalding, and uh, that was <laughs> kind of where. <laughs> and so that, so that's where I was born, and I was 
I was raised in the CME church, and coincidentally, I tell people that I was I was I was born at Grady Hospital, and and literally christened right across the street at, at Butler Street CME Church, Christian Methodist Episcopal wow. Church, and uh, and so just have, yeah, just have been so proud to have been born and 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 and, and raised here in the city of Atlanta. Uh, fortunate to have. You know, a mother who was committed to being a civil servant, public servant as a school teacher, and a father who was also, uh, in addition to being an Atlanta police officer, he was also an ordained minister. He passed away when I, my brother and 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 I were very young, uh, but his 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 memory and and the legacy of his work really uh, persists to this day in, in so many profound ways uh, that I learn more and more because I'm involved in public service in the city of Atlanta uh, where he served as as, an, as a, a police officer. I don't think you can get any more Atlanta than that. Okay. I but mean, I, I, guess you, I, I guess you can unless you, unless you, I, I, you really can. I, maybe a little bit more Atlanta. And I was, you know, I tell I folks all the time. I said. <laughs> well, I, I tell you, well, the reason why is because, you know, I was very fortunate growing up. My parents were in the public service, serving the community. And you get a different look when your parents are involved in the community as to what's really going on. And for your mother to be in the education system and your, your father to be on the police force, I'm sure you overheard conversations about what's going on that the average child growing up did not hear. Okay. Well, that's, and that's, in some ways that's true. Yes, yes. You know, I think so you about became, my mom, who was a yeah. Go right ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I was going to say. You know, I, I think about my mom. She taught over at Fulton High School in Southeast Atlanta, and not you know, not far from the Thomasville community. And every uh, year, she would, she would, as an art teacher, she would take on additional responsibilities to do the coronation every fall, and then every spring there was this thing called a talent show that brought kids from all over the city to come and show their talent. Uh, and, and she coordinated that and planned that and was a choreographer for, for both of those really key events in, in young people's lives, not only at Fulton High School, but in the city. And, and I just was, you know, I, I didn't understand it then as a young kid. It was just such great entertainment. It's so great to be at Fulton High School. They had a great athletic program, but, you know, I, it, but to look back and, and on how she was impacting young people and encouraging them to 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 use you know their 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 creativity to 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 create to do great things and to and to to be successful that that really is something that um that I was fortunate uh, to see and 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 then you know I I tell folks all the time that I learn community service and volunteerism uh, from my grandmother. Uh, who was also a school teacher, uh, but she was very involved in the community. And I remember when my brother and I were were were, were very young, we'd go spend weekends and, and the summer with her here, right here in Atlanta. And we would go and, and serve meals on wheels to, to people who were elderly or sick yes, and shut too. in. And I would always think to myself, I said, my grandmother, you know, is up in age herself. Someone really should be sending or bringing her a meal, but she would get out and we'd get in her car and we'd drive down the street <laughs> and, and as as slow as one can drive without being stopped by the police 
and uh, and and she would she and, and we would take meals to people, and so I learned the value of service from her and from and from my from my mom and from my dad, and so that's 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 really been uh, you know instructive for me, and also really a big part of who I am um, as not just a, an elected official, but really as a father and as a husband and as someone who loves this city. And I tell you. I don't think you couldn't have went to a better school to learn how to do that than from your parents and your, your relatives. So tell me this. Now, when you were growing up, did you ever think that you would be doing what you're doing today? Did you, you know, a lot of kids, I want to be an astronaut. So, you know, what, what were your desires growing up? Did you know what you always wanted to be? Or when you well, were, no, you know, I mean, a child? it's you ask that question. Yeah. I, um, I, you know, when I was, I actually, when I think about, what I wanted to be when I was in high school. I went to, you know, being at Mays, you know, you, you, you in the Academy of Math and Science. And so I, I really was very interested in science and math. And so I had, had actually uh, would go to, um, to, to school and major in aeronautical engineering or physics or wow. something like that. And, and in fact, I had been accepted to Georgia Tech to go study uh, uh, in physics. And I'd also, you know, as an athlete, a student athlete, I'd been also recruited to go uh, to Brown University to play football. Uh, but I made a decision to go to Morehouse College, um, and it really was at Morehouse where I began to understand in a very profound way uh, really that the world needed young men, particularly young black men, to be in leadership. Uh, and to serve the community in a profound way. And so it was at Morehouse College uh, that I decided to, to go to law school. And in my mind, I, I really thought to myself, I said, you know, I'm going to go to law school, but, you know, at some point, you know, I, I want to follow the example of people like Maynard Jackson and Marvin Arrington and, and Julian Bond and, and others and, and John Lewis and, and get engaged uh, in public service in some form or fashion. And I thought that, uh, law school would be the way to do it. And so it was in college when I really started to think about how I might give back through through public service. But, but I'm going to back up a little bit. You know, going to Morehouse mm-hmm. College um, <clears throat> really was like going from one institution that was really um, filled with the spirit of Dr. Benjamin Elijah Mays to another school that really was filled with the spirit of Dr. Benjamin Elijah Mays. You know, going from Mays High School to Morehouse College was like going basically from uh, the the 12th grade to the 13th grade uh, because much of what we learned at Mays High School really centered around principles and high ideals and achieving all that you can achieve. And going to Morehouse is almost like this natural, fluid kind of transition into these same principles at the next level, and so, you know, I just really believe uh, that I was in, that I have been incredibly, incredibly blessed to have been born in Atlanta and to be to have been able to have that kind of educational experience, and that really has led to or did lead to my decision uh, to get involved in in public service. Now, so your aha moment, I like to always find out when people had their. I call it an aha moment, but to me, it's really when you know your, when your purpose life. 
or you made a decision, this is what I'm going to do, was at Morehouse when you decided, you know what, I'm going to do this public service thing. So you made a conscious decision at that point to do this. So so I'll tell you kind of my aha moment or, you know, this is this is what I want to do is because when I was at Morehouse, I I didn't really I was an English major and an economics major, so I had a double major in 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 subject matters that had nothing to do with politics. In fact, I I only took like one or two political science courses. I got involved a little bit in 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 kind of SGA student government stuff, but really in a different way. I for one year I served as like a student senator, and I. I think I did that my sophomore year or something like that. Um, but I ended up being engaged in in, in student uh, government really from, from more of a service perspective because I ended up being the editor-in-chief of our school yearbook. And so this wasn't an aha moment. I'm going to get to the aha moment, but I, I think it's instructive to, to, to talk about this um, this experience as editor in chief of the yearbook or, or how I became editor in chief of the yearbook to give you some perspective on how I approach uh, my work and my service as a citizen uh, in this community. Uh, uh, so, so the year before my senior year, my junior year, Morehouse had a yearbook staff in some kind of way, the yearbook staff just disintegrated. And so we really didn't have a yearbook my junior year at Morehouse college. And it ended up being kind of a Facebook that the administration produced uh, just really in many ways to save face. It really was like a Facebook, you know, instead of being a, a, a an electronic Facebook, it was almost kind of like a Facebook um, that you would see um, uh, kind of like a, a little booklet, little directory. And so I said to myself, I said, I do not want uh, to have my senior year uh, come and we not have a yearbook that I can have and my classmates can have. So I volunteered with no real experience uh, in producing a yearbook. I wasn't on yearbook staff uh, at Morehouse, had not been on yearbook staff at, at, at Mays High School, but I volunteered uh, to be to be the editor-in-chief of the yearbook. Uh, and they said, okay, no one's no one else raised their hand to do this hard, <laughs> dirty, grimy work. You know, that required us to be up all night and, and and everything. So, yes, you'll be the editor-in-chief. But I took that on because I had a, a significant amount of pride uh, in Morehouse College, uh, and I wanted to see my class, and I wanted to have the experience of having a yearbook. I always was fascinated uh, by yearbooks and the story, the history that it captured uh, and the stories that it told that would be so so much cherished by us uh about you know once we you know have been gone from the school for twenty thirty forty fifty years uh I thought those memories uh would be important and i said if 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 not someone else, if not me uh then who's gonna do it and if not now uh when and so I stepped up and 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 served, but it was incredibly in, instructive for me because it's it, it's it's about saying. What is it that has to be done, and who's going to do it? And it and and rather than point your finger at somebody else to do it, why can't you step up and actually do it mm-hmm. uh, yourself? Gotcha. And so I'll tell you my aha moment though, in terms of um, deciding that you know public service is a is a noble profession when you have noble men and women who are willing to do it. 
I was um, the president of the Morehouse Spellman uh, Pre-Law Society. I'd made a decision to to go to law school, uh, and so at that moment in time, I um, um, I, 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 I was taking courses that would get me in a position uh, to do it, and and so I, I, I invited. Uh, as one of our monthly speakers, uh, Maynard Jackson, who had already served two terms as mayor and at this moment in time was practicing law with a firm out of Chicago called Chapman and Cutler. And the reason he was Chapman and Cutler, yeah. And so the fact that he he was practicing law with Chapman and Cutler out of Chicago is a whole other story that, that must be told at some point um, uh, in the future, and then we can talk about it later. But he was practicing law with a Chicago firm, and he had moved and created an Atlanta office of the Chicago firm uh, here because no other firm here locally would give him an opportunity to be in their, in their, in their firm, which, I, you know, you've got a man who served two terms as mayor of this city and is a, was a brilliant lawyer, incredible leader, and no one offered him a job. Uh, to be uh, in 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 one of the silk stocking firms downtown, which is which is amazing to me. It's, it's really in many ways just very very uh, telling of the times we were living in right. uh, when he right. served as mayor. So anyhow, I invited him to come and be the monthly speaker uh, to our pre law society, and so we did flyers and we distributed flyers and we promoted the event. Uh, <clears throat> And and so we promoted the event, and the day of the event, he came to speak to us, May, the Maynard Jackson, mayor Jackson. of the city of Atlanta. And wow. he came, and there was a whopping 15 of us there when it should have been 200 kids there to see this man. And he came, and he spoke to 15 of us in this room like he was speaking to the Democratic National Convention as the headline speaker. Uh, he 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 put his all into it, and he showed us an incredible amount of attention, presence, and respect, even though it was a, only a few of us in the room. When I saw that, I said, he had, he, I, this is a noble profession. Uh, when you have a gotcha. noble person with a noble intention, I want to be like him. And so... Uh, that's uh, really, that was really my aha moment. And, and and one last thing I'll say about Maynard Jackson, which is so important uh, to say, uh, when you see lawyers uh, that, uh, African-American lawyers, lawyers of color that are practicing now in big firms here in this city, when you see African-American young people getting involved in elected office in not only Atlanta but other places around the country, uh, and they are able to do it while having a full profession as a lawyer or whatever it may be. All of those folks, including myself, uh, have a debt to pay uh, to Maynard Jackson for having those kinds wow. of opportunities. Uh, and 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 the reason is is because Maynard uh, literally uh, proved the model that a firm can come from another part of the country, set up shop in Atlanta, and be successful. Uh, and 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 I, so I would not be with the firm I'm with now if it hadn't been someone like Maynard who had gone before me and made those kinds of sacrifices. And the same 
uh, it goes to say for 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 being able to be in elected office. I, I know I've talked a lot about it, but it, but Mayor Jackson is that's all right, man. Is um, incredibly incredibly but he is someone uh, important to me. But he is someone that's important to the city of Atlanta. There would not be the business climate that we have here if it were not for him. Okay, absolutely. I mean the airport. I mean the airport and just the way we do business. And you know, so he, you know, I'm glad you brought it up. Maybe we need to do a show just on Maynard. I think there's a movie coming out, but I, I just think you're you're correct in giving him his due. I mean, because he's absolutely he paid the way for a lot of us. He paid the way for a lot of us. Now, the moving absolutely. on, we're talking about Eddie. community. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was gonna I was gonna say just really quickly. I mean, when you when you think about the fact that Atlanta is a global gateway now. Uh, and right. we're close to becoming a global city. Uh, we, uh, that is because of, 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 of his vision to, to to expand the airport into what is now the busiest airport in the world. When you see in people coming from all over in the world, when you when you see people coming from all over the world to this through this airport uh, to live in Atlanta and to pursue their dreams, they're coming here because they know Atlanta set out a standard very early on under his leadership that this will be a place of equal opportunity, regardless of your background, regardless of your race or your gender, you would have an opportunity to come here. And if you're willing to work hard, you had a great idea, a great product, a great service, you would be able to have an opportunity through the city's uh, equal business opportunity program, uh, which has become the model around the world when you talk about diversity and inclusion in business and business-to-business relationships between large and small businesses. That is the legacy of Maynard, uh, and that is, that, is, that is what we tout uh, when we go near and far to talk about our city. Well, you know, since you brought it up, that equal opportunity, you know, equal business opportunity, you know, you hosted an information session, you know, for the city of Atlanta, and I understand the goal of the program is to promote full and equal business opportunities for everyone doing business within the city. Why is this Atlanta's approach different and special than other cities? What, what makes this different? Well, what makes us different is that we really, in many ways, uh, are the originators through the, the leadership and the vision of Maynard Jackson uh, while he was mayor, while he was mayor, uh, to create a program that said uh, that. If you are a qualified small or woman-owned or minority business, uh, you will have an opportunity to do business with the city of Atlanta. Uh, and you can do that as a partner, a joint venturer, or a subcontractor with another large majority-owned business. Uh, and that is how projects got done in the city of Atlanta, and it became a model around the country. Now, here's, what, here's why the program is unique and still exists. The program is has become is a flexible program that is that is a reflection of the level of the need for the program, and so every so often now we do what's called a disparity study, which analyzes whether or not uh, uh, there is a need for the program and to, and to what degree there is a need for the program uh, in any particular uh, demographic group, whether whether it be Hispanic-owned businesses. Asian-owned businesses, African-American-owned businesses, women-owned businesses, uh, and small businesses as well. And so when that disparity study is done every so, ever so often by the city of Atlanta, every four or five years, the results of that study are used to construct a new program. 
Well, we came to the end of the last program's term at the end of last year, in uh, December of 2015, and so we had to, so the disparity study was complete and a new program was put forward. But we had to do it so quickly because it just it was completed and, and presented to the council uh, really at the at the very last minute before the program was going to expire. So what I said I was going to do from a leadership standpoint was to uh, do a community briefing on the new program, the new EBO program in January, and that's what we did. And so we had several hundred people uh, to participate to learn the nuts and bolts. Uh, of the new program uh, that we now have in the city of Atlanta. And so that's why we did it. I I think it was very beneficial, and we may do some more so that people know that the program exists uh, and know that the program can be very beneficial to them and they can actually pursue uh, opportunities through the program. That is the objective, uh, and that is the hope. Now, are other cities doing this? Or, you know, are they following what you're doing here, or are we out here all alone as being Atlanta number one? Are, are people well, you know, a lot of kind of some cities, some cities are doing it, uh, and some cities are, you know, are starting to follow the disparity study model. Uh, but then, you know, there are two things you you have to have two things in order to do this. You've got to have number one, uh, the legal basis upon which to construct a program, an equal business opportunity program. And that's where the disparity study becomes so important because it shows uh, that that there is still a need for the program uh, because you do, it's a high, it's a very, a very detail oriented data driven model uh, that is, that is, that is, that is put together an analysis that's put together. But the second thing you need uh, is political will to do it. Uh, and so when you look around the country, you will see some, Cities have these programs at differing at, at differing levels of 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 of, of, of intensity, uh, and 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 some of that's based upon what the law allows, based upon what's happening in their community from a disparity perspective. But then also the level of political will, uh, and really the level of uh, political con- conviction and commitment uh, to 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 stand firm on a program such as this. So some cities are doing it. Uh, many cities have fallen away from from their program, but then there's still cities that are starting to to lean back in uh, on programs mm-hmm. that focus on small, local loan and, and minority women-owned businesses. Well, I think one thing that's important, not only are you doing this equal business opportunity, do your back-to-business, and get you get the fifth one this year, your back-to-business conference, you, you managed to put companies like Coca-Cola, Georgia Power, Porsche Car, North America, Office Depot, Home Depot, Delta, all in the same room. You know, I've been going yes. to these things ever since you started, and I watched it. I remember when you first started at City Hall, and when I went to it, uh, where you having it this year, or you had it last year at Metro Atlanta Tech. Well, I think it's at the Metropolitan State College, but incredible. Yeah, what it was was Atlanta I saw all these businesses. I was like, whoa. And uh, so let's talk about that for a second. How long has it been going on, and what inspired you to create that? Well, we've been doing it for five years, and 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 we and we and we we started um, just just when the recession was. We were in really in the throes of the recession, and and my thinking was this: we've got we're in the recession. 
you know, we're trying to push through this recession, which is which was deeply impacting the city of Atlanta. I said we've got to do some sort of event uh, that would start to to number one get people back together again, get businesses talking to one another, you know, creating business to business relationships, small businesses talking to small businesses, trading notes, but also uh, we we want to create a space uh, for these businesses to meet and network with uh, procurers, procurers not only in the public sector, but also procurers of goods and services in the private sector. And so our first year, we really only, we started off with nothing but public sector entities there to meet and greet with small business owners. And it was really just a half-day uh, experience. We had a speaker in the morning, uh, and we had kind of some booths in the old council chambers, and we had maybe 150 people that came through during the course of the day. We had one private sector um, uh, business there. I think it was uh, Office Depot may have been there. And so we've grown this event from an event where we had 100, 150 people, only government agencies at every level, uh, uh, to, 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 to what is now an event that we don't do at City Hall anymore. We did it at Atlanta Metropolitan mm-hmm. State College. It's not one day. It's actually back to business week. Uh, and we have six, 700 people uh, who will come out and meet not only with uh, procurers on, in government on both the local, state, and federal level, but also we have tens of private sector businesses that are there meeting and greeting with, with business owners to let them know what the opportunities are. So it's it's grown tremendously. We're really glad to see yes. uh, the level of interest there. And, and, and our partners have been really great. Uh, GSA has been a partner with us as well as the Small Business Association. And so we are excited to have them as partners. Uh, and, and, we, and we hope that this has provided a great opportunity uh, for businesses to, 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 to see one another, network with one, with one, one another, and find opportunity uh, but through these, through networking and, and getting to know one another. Well, I just want to tell you this. As an attendee, I have met more people at this conference over the years, and everybody just willing. It wasn't a you know small business, minority business thing. It was just a business-to-business thing. That's why I think you had the right name for it. And I've been an attendee for the past few years. I'm going to let you know right now. I might give Jim a call and let him know that I want to be a part of it this year. i got to come interview people. You know, I want to really help put this on. So put me on that team, all right? I want to be involved in it because I just think it's it's very, very, very important. Now, um, we've been talking about business, but I want to switch over to community. You have a very large stance on education. I understand last Friday you were in southwest Atlanta at Pickett Elementary School launching the largest book giveaway in the U.S. history. Let's talk about that. Yes, the we, we books again. Yes, we were really excited about about starting uh right here in Atlanta with the a billion ebooks gift program. It, it essentially is a wonderful program that does two things. It makes available to young people in school uh a number of books that they can have access to for free uh through ele- through electronic means. Uh, and and then number two, it provides an opportunity for a family member who may be remote from their child 
to literally log in and do FaceTime and read a read a book to their child if their child or their grandchild if they're out of town or their grandchild uh, is across town and they want to tuck them in to a bed night store to, to, to tuck them into to, to bed with a, a bedtime story they literally can do this with this technology uh, because the book is available and you do FaceTime on the tablet it's a wonderful wow. wonderful program. And I was also just really just so glad to be able to launch it at Fickett Elementary School. Now, while I went to West Mountain Elementary Elementary School, uh, uh, we all knew about Fickett growing up as well. But guess what? My my elementary school classmate, my middle school classmate, and my high school classmate, we, we, we she and I were in school from literally elementary all the way through graduating from Mays. She is the principal at Fickett Elementary School. And so I was so, so excited to be able to launch this program in Atlanta with Cheryl Twyman, who's a principal uh, at Fickett Elementary School, someone I've known the better part of, of all, better part of my life, all of my life, with the exception of probably six years of my life. I have known her and we have been friends and so that made it extra sweet we also had the school board chairman uh, who is also an ats graduate courtney english he was there to help launch this campaign and so we were really honored to be able to do it uh in partnership because partnerships are so important well i understand that you you have a technology partner who created the uh, you said they can facetime a video conferencing how how is this working you know um there had to be some technology partners involved in this. So yes. it's like partnering with yes. the tech people. It's wonderful. It's incredible. I mean, Us Time is the name of the company. Joe Seleski was the mm-hmm. CEO and co-founder. And he, you think I'm excited about this? He is incredibly excited about taking this initiative uh, around the country. And so we're going to, we're, again, very excited that we started here in Atlanta. But, the tech, you know, as you know, technology is is you know is 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 not what it used to be. In other words, you wow. know, you look at a big big computer sitting in a room that weighs five thousand pounds, and that was your technology. Right. Now you can, right. you can move around the country, you know, with right. something that weighs less than two pounds, and that's your technology, right. and they can spread this kind of wealth uh, uh, that he is spreading to our young people. Uh, around the country with these uh, billion e-books. It's so interesting because I had a young lady, an 18-year-old on my show a couple months ago that wrote a book. But she was talking about in school, they don't even have books anymore. The teacher will say, go research it on Google or go look on YouTube. And if you're not vested in technology, there's no way for you to get an education any longer. If you don't know how to use it, I think something like this, where the kids are learning at such an early, and the big thing is that their parents have to learn too, okay, because, you know, one without the other is not going to work. It's not going to work. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I mean, I'll tell you, my little ones ones are three and four, and they they know how to use uh, my my phone. They know how to use an iPad, and they know how to get surfed. They know how to surf the the YouTube YouTube kids. Net. I mean, they they know how to do all <laughs> yeah. that stuff on the phone. <laughs> on the phone. So let's talk about this. One more community thing. I, I you know, did some research. 
you're doing some kind of college prep series. Um, what, what's going on with that? I mean, your, your education thing seems to be very important for you. So what's this college prep As, series I, thing you're doing? Absolutely. Thank you for asking about it. I mean, you know, the college prep series is, again, another partnership uh, with the Atlanta public school system. And it really is, um, it's, it's, it's my baby. I, I really enjoy doing this program because it, it's a program that's designed to to not just get students ready for college, but students uh, who are in high school, they are somebody's son or daughter. And, and as a result, they are in somebody's family. They are a family member. And so this program, as I see it, really is about getting families ready to send their 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 treasures off to college and getting them ready and prepared to do it. And so the College Prep Series has been around for 10 years, and we have as our partner Princeton Review. And what we essentially do are, are, are three things. Number one, foes. Um, middle school kids and high school kids to the all-important SAT and ACT exams. So they get a chance to take the exam in real time, a real-life scenario. It's a practice exam. It doesn't count against them, but it's the real deal. And they get a sense of what it's like to be in that testing environment. And, uh, and, and, then, and then the second thing we do is we provide parents uh, while the kids are taking the test, we we provide parents with an opportunity to learn about the college admissions process, financial aid, uh, as well as scholarships okay. and other wraparound services that are so important to getting kids in college and keeping them in college once they get there. And then the third piece wow. that we do at a sept at, at what we call a scores back session, which is a week and a half, sometimes two weeks later is we do what's called a college fair express. So we bring in a select number of colleges and college admissions officers and provide an opportunity for the kids and their parents to meet with colleges and and to get a sense of, you know, what a particular college may be like because you've got uh, an admissions officer or an alum alumnus of a particular college there and they they bring information about the college, and uh, and you have a chance to learn and meet and greet and network with with uh, a number of colleges. This program is, is 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 really an incredible program and has provided a significant amount of opportunity for young people. And there are some incredible stories uh, that I can tell you that have come out of uh, this program and that have benefited families. Well, I tell you this, man. Uh, I know we're coming down on the bewitching hour here and I know we got a lot more to talk about. I may have to have you back on again because we didn't even get to managing the city yet. You know. Yeah. But this is good because I because I really wanted to hear about what you're doing, the things that you're passionate about. I don't want to get that out. You know, I do want to talk about the city. Maybe we can do that at another time. But I, I want you to I'll just spend a few that. minutes Okay. I want you to just spend a few minutes telling people, you know, I, I like people to leave pearls of wisdom at the end of the shows about you know, moving themselves forward and things you're planning on doing. So give me, you know, a couple of things that, pearls of wisdom that, you know, that you want to impart to the people that are listening about you, about the city, about whatever it is that's on your mind. So the first thing I would just say is uh, is something about Atlanta. Uh, the city of Atlanta uh, is a very special place. and And I say that because, 
if you think about the history of our city and how we have averted and avoided disaster, literally, uh, because we've been blessed by God and we have been willing to come together in moments of tension and crisis uh, to find common ground and to, and to maintain harmony. Uh, and, and so Atlanta is really special. How in the world did a city like Atlanta beat out Greece to get the 1996 Centennial Olympic Games? Uh, I, it, it is because of, it is because Atlanta is indeed a place where we dream big, uh, and we certainly uh, know how uh, to act bigger than our dreams, and uh, and we know how to play above our, our weight class. But we know how to do this because we believe in working together. So Atlanta uh, really is a special place, and I think it's important for people who live in the city uh, to, to, to remember that. Uh, not that we don't have challenges and that we don't have a lot of work to do. We really do. Uh, we've got we've to work on uh, all things education. We've got to continue to, to create jobs and, and, and entrepreneurial opportunities for our citizens. Uh, and we've got to keep our communities clean and safe. But Atlanta is a special place, uh, and, 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 and it shows in so many ways. Uh, the, the last thing I would say is more related just to just, you know, I guess how I approach my work every day. Uh, we're in a time now when people believe, and if you look at what's happening with this current presidential election, people believe that being bombastic uh, and, and, and talking a big game and being insulting to people uh, and not being willing to work together uh, and to find common ground, even in compromise. We live in a time when people think that that's the way we're supposed to be, and it is not. Uh, the, the, the arc of history will show uh, that uh, civilizations that thrive, uh, initiatives and, 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 and things and institutions that have been created that have survived the test of time have survived because people come together and work together, they have a spirit of humility, a spirit of leadership, uh, and they understand that there's something bigger than themselves. Enduring institutions are enduring institutions because the people who create those institutions understand the value of the institution and that that institution is designed and should outlast them individually. So being able to get from the me and the I to the we and there the tomorrow. Go. There you go. But we have want folks to, to just remember, um, you know, particularly during this season, uh, as we see so many folks that are just you know, crazy stuff, and it's all about the media. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we know what? That's a whole other show on itself, bro. That's a whole other show. Mm-hmm. We, I tell you what. Well, I, I just got to thank you for taking I know you got a busy schedule. You spent a lot of time with me. You've given a lot of information. I just want to let you know I appreciate you for doing what you do. And uh, I got you 100%. You know, you know, what do you always say to me? You know, I get a chance to say it to you. Every time I see you, you say, let me know what I can do for you. And I'm telling you, <laughs> let me know what I can do for you. All right? Man, you let I me will. know. All right? I will. Let your thank people you know they can call on me. You don't have to be the one to call. I don't have to be running about telling you. He's a call and ask me. Anybody that called me, when you told him to call me, I got you. All right? Thank you so much, my brother. All right, man. So thanks for coming out. I look forward to working with you in the near future. 
And uh, I, I just can't say enough. I really appreciate you, my brother. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to have been able to spend time with you. Get that time. All right. All right, man. Take it easy. I'll talk to you later. Take care. Bye. All right. So you heard it tonight. You know, I've been waiting a long time to get him on the show. Finally got him. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you listened to really the important things he was saying, especially what he the thing that he ended up with. It's so important that we have to talk about these things about community and not about I, about we and rebuilding and education and just everything that he touched on. Some of us are born to be out in front. And that's who he is. But some of us are also born to support those who are out in front. And that's what you have to do. So get involved. Volunteer. Don't wait to be asked. You see what's going on. Step up and step out and find out what you can do to make your community a better place. So you've been listening to Mark Farhan tonight. The Honorable Caesar Mitchell, President of the Atlanta City Council, just talking about just chopping it up about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So hopefully we're going to get him back on and talk about how do you run a city. We didn't get to that tonight, but we will. So, Pat Miller Talk, real talk with real people, talking about real issues, facing small business today. I look forward to our next encounter. But until then, do what you got to do to get out in your community. Don't wait to be asked. Step up and step out. I look forward to our next encounter. Thank you for joining us this evening on the Cap Builder Talk radio show with your host, Mark E. Parham. It is our mission to provide you with the information you need to make educated decisions, decisions that will help you walk in your purpose. We are here every Monday evening starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. To be a guest or for more information, go to capbuildertalk.com. Please post comments on facebook.com forward slash capbuildertalk. We hope you enjoy the show.